it's Oblong Desk, John and Noakes with you, and this time round, we are reviewing now 32. Hello, Noakes. Hi, John. Guess what? It's Christmas again. It comes quicker every year, doesn't it? Yes. I'm feeling like Roy Wood is at at play here, but maybe (laughs) not. Maybe it's just Ashley. Or maybe it's just that we're rattling through these things. We are. At a fair old rate. Um, Christmas time then. In the past, these discs have been full of festive cheer, and, and I don't think this one is really. You wouldn't know it was a Christmas album from its content, shall we say. No, not really. Um, I mean, it wasn't a vintage year for Christmas singles that year. I think we had, uh, was that the year we had the Child Liners and the Gift of Christmas? Or was that the year after? I can't remember. But uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit ballad heavy, particularly on disc one. But we'll we'll come to that. Shall I reel off the chart facts first? Shall we just crack into it? Yeah, why not? Yeah, so so it was released on 13th of November 1995. We have 40 top chart hits, split 19 and 21, because there are some very long songs on disc one. Again, we'll return to that. Uh, number one in the compilation album chart for six weeks, which is uh, pretty standard for the Christmas ones. They tended to end up in people's stockings. The cover is uh, quite a nice mountainous landscape with the uh, now low reflected in the ice or, or snow whichever it is i'm not quite sure if you're a bit of an anorak and uh, you'll, you'll probably guess that i am uh, you might be slightly annoyed by the uh, spacing of the letters of now and 32 on the spine because they're spaced out too wide these things are important to us right okay <laughs> not to me <laughs> not to you but to me um no. to me to you uh n- number ones we have a count of four so there are two that are missing take that never forget i think we now kind of expect to take that songs won't be on now albums and uh, michael jackson uh and uh, you are not alone which is a not very good and b uh on the sony label so he's never going to get on here uh we say hello to louise as a solo artist and um we say goodbye to the human league which is kind of appropriate because in one of their songs they go hello louise so there you go there's a nice symmetry for you i don't think ashley planned that i don't think he did no no we're not giving him any credit no Let's begin then with our track-by-track review of Now 32, and uh, it's a heavyweight start. Queen, Heaven for Everyone is track one, which uh, is a nice enough song, isn't it? But uh, unlike when they started, do you remember when they started digging up those old Beatles recordings and they gave them to Jeff Lynne to kind of sell the tape together? Uh, This has a feeling of being intended for public consumption. I think it's it's a Roger Taylor track and it's melancholy and reflective. And given that it's over three years since Freddie had died, you can't accuse the other members of cashing in. This just feels like it's a new project. And I think it works quite well. Um, yeah, I'm kind of the opposite on this one. Uh, I mean, it's in the contractual obligation, disc one, track one slot, as all Queen songs were. I can't remember if we've talked about this before. We probably have. But even now, they apparently have a rule that if they're on any great, uh, various artists compilation, they have to be track one. Uh, on disc one which is just ridiculous frankly but then let's not get into the uh the uh politics of what goes on with uh mr taylor and uh and mr may's decisions on licensing of tracks because as you will know if you watch any television they are everywhere uh not this one though um which is one of those beyond the grave ones um as you say it, it was a separate kind of project i think this was always going to happen there was um there was um a load of recordings that i think were intended 
to be released and were just held back because of uh, what happened to uh, Freddie. I, I've never been that keen on this one, I'll be honest. I think some of the ones that, that came along later were, were pretty good. This one's never really done it for me, um, but I can see why it's here. I mean, it's, you know, it got to number two in the charts. It was very nearly a chart topper. And, um, yeah, just not my kind of thing, really. Okay. I'll tell you what, though. It's a lot better than what's coming up next, which we are handing out very early on so all the other acts can breathe a sigh of relief. We're handing out the Neil Warnock Award to Meatloaf. It's track two. And I'd lie for you, brackets, and that's the truth. Brackets off. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's another cumulative offences, uh, the equivalent of a referee pointing around the field and going fouls there, 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 yellow card, um, because it's the same old drivel. And, you know, this isn't the last time we're going to have one of these tracks. Um, brackets chucked in just for the hell of it. I mean, I love brackets in song titles. I think you know that by now. But, you know, they're just... They're just there for the sake of having them by this point. And it really is a tedious load of old drivel, frankly. None of his 90s songs have any merit whatsoever. Um, it was another number two hit, this, but, you know, that's just because all the Meatloaf fans would go out and buy anything with his name on, particularly if the uh, album it came from had Bat Out of Hell written on it somewhere. Yeah, and, and this is the reason, the prime reason, there's only 19 tracks on disc one huge mammoth rock ballad and as you say it's exactly the same formula as the previous stuff even down to the brackets i think the difference is because i can see some merit in his previous tracks this one just has no redeeming interest it's literally just meatloaf noises almost like they've gone around the studio sweeping up bits of the other ballads from the floor and then just you know, throwing them into the mix pot and seeing what came out it's, it's dull in the extreme and yes, thoroughly deserving Meatloaf of a Warnock Award, which you'll probably not realise and shout about and thrust in the air. <laughs> well, he'd probably be proud of it. I mean, I, I, I don't think he'd be too worried, even if he did care. Um, now, uh, we're going to move on to track three. Hang on. Are we... Is this right? Are we playing this? Are we playing Simply Red, John? Yes, we are. And we'll find out why we're doing that crazy thing after we've heard Fairground. And I love the to you. as surprised as you are but that was fairground by simply red a track three on disc one of now 32 now i did love this when it came out and then i had to play it a thousand times on the radio which i suspect you probably did as well john but i i do think it is still one of their best songs it's their only number one it spent four weeks on top of the chart that is admittedly because it's um using a fair portion of someone else's song although at least he gives them a name check doesn't he so uh, there's a line in this that says let's make amends like all good men should and that's because he's uh nicked the good men's give it up which we reviewed uh two christmases ago in not real time um in now album time um and uh yeah that, that's what makes it really isn't it i think let's be honest 
it, it follows Tyndall's theory of all bands, no matter how awful, having at least one brilliant song in them. Uh, the uh, the simple minds theory, I call it. Um, <laughs> honestly, I don't know how this has happened. I don't know how somebody as atrocious as Mick Hocknell has managed to come up with a very different sound for them, obviously taking that sample, and then sing over it in a way that isn't grating and horrible and offensive like it uses. It's like he's toned down the wine. Yeah. And, yeah. and it just sounds mellow and rounded. It's a really catchy chorus. I just in me just want to pretend that this is a one-hit wonder because <laughs> then everything would be fine um but yes having slagged them to the hilt and, and and frankly this isn't going to completely change my mind on them in any way shape or form but well done simply red there i have said those words out loud you did, yes. That must have uh, that must have been difficult, but uh, yeah, no, I, I I still like it. I mean, it's it gets played an awful lot on the radio, so there's no real getting away from it. And I know people who still despise it because they've just heard it too much. But if you have to have a simply red song, then uh, yeah, I I think I would rather have this one. I'm not as uh, against them as you are. I I like some of their other songs, but certainly. Um, I would say the percentage of singles that I enjoy by them are in the kind of 20%-ish mark, uh, whereas for you it's probably about 1%, and this is it. Um, so, uh, yes, so well done, Simply Red, uh, from both of us. Yes. And uh, we move on to what is, I think, the oldest track on here. It's it's great stuff, but it was a hit back in June. I suspect, actually, because it was a soundtrack song, may have been had to wait, perhaps, to get the rights for this one. You two, hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me from, uh, I always forget which Batman it is, Batman Forever, I think, is that right? One of them. Who knows, yeah, I think there's thousands I of think them. It is. Yes. Um, another number two hit, so, uh, you know, we're getting some big hit songs at the start of this disc, and I've always liked this one, I must admit. Mm. I mean, putting Hucknall and Bono to, next to each other, it's making it a kind of a twat's corner on now 32, <laughs> isn't it? But. Yeah. Tell you what, though, you two, they can do a film soundtrack. It's not the first time that, or the last time that they will enter into the world of film. In fact, in very short order, we shall, we shall hear another of their efforts, kind of. Um, but this hits all the right marks for me. It's the orchestral backing, the edge playing silly beggars on his effects pedal on his guitar, and it works. It's, it's a very nice-sounding piece of music, and I still listen to it now. Yeah, it is definitely one of their better ones. And um, as you said, there's a bit of a, a link with the next one, which we're going to play some of. Track 5, Goldeneye by Tina Turner. It's a gold and honey trap i got for you tonight Revenge, it's a kiss this time Listening to Oblong Desk, where this time around we're reviewing Now 32. We've got to track five and a film soundtrack, a Bond theme, Goldeneye from Tina Turner. And uh, we're going to give a, a small round of applause here, a triple A. There it goes. For sequencing not just two movie soundtracks, but two movie soundtracks penned by the members of U2. Um, it seems fair enough that they should have been given a crack at a Bond theme. Uh, and Tina does a really good job on this of kind of prowling around the verses. And then there's that real controlled power in the choruses. For me, not the best Bond film or the best Bond theme. But crucially, they didn't get Bond wrong. 
so well done <laughs> yeah i quite enjoyed goldeneye i saw it i think a few years later um uh, when i was visiting a friend in london i think and it's the only pierce brosnan one i've sat through all the way um without wanting to go off and do something else so yeah i think it was a pretty good film as i recall um you'll probably disagree with this but um i think this might well be the last truly great bond theme it's either this or garbage the world is not enough i don't think i liked any of them after that most of the ones from the 2000s and onwards are just hideous in my opinion um i'm going to throw in skyfall oh yeah skyfall is all right you can overlook that one yeah skyfall is that and my own personal favourite Bond theme from the Brosnan era is Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, really? Uh, you know, I was never that keen on that one, actually. Out of the three Brosnan ones, that's probably my least favourite. But, uh, you know, that's that's what Bond's there for. We've all got different uh, different opinions on the films Indeed. and the themes. Um, what I will say yeah. is that you, you're right about the fact that she sings this very well. She's um, actually, if anything, slightly restrained by Tina Turner standards, but she... Uh, she does the big moments very well what surprises me is this only made number 10 it's, it's weird how the bond themes don't always do brilliantly in the charts it's um it's only in recent times they've become big hits again uh, the period um this is from in the 90s they they really struggled to get big hits out of any of them really but uh, i've i've always had a fondness for this i think it's um like i say potentially the last truly great one either this or garbage for me right okay <clears throat> deep breath here's share track six walking in memphis um did this really need doing? I mean, it's a virtual karaoke carbon copy of the original, except that Cher's invented this new city called Memphis. 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 Yeah. And she keeps singing about that. I could very, very easily survive if I never heard this again. It's, it is pretty uh, inconsequential. You do wonder what the point was. I, I thought, oh, she must have been doing a covers album. Uh, no, it's not from a covers album at all. Uh, in fact, her next single is on the Next Now album, and it's probably one of my favourite things that she's ever done. But this is just dreadful. Um, it's, uh, it's a pre-release track. Actually, I, I didn't mention, but the Tina Turner one was on here before it was released as a single. Uh, so it was a bit of a coup, I suppose, to get Tina Turner. Cher, mm, you could argue maybe it was given her um, track record in the 90s where she had quite a few big hits. But this only got to number 11. I think that's probably about 40 places higher than it deserved to do. We never reviewed this one because this was, I think, the album before we started doing these podcasts. The original by Mark Cohn is on Now 20. If you want to hear this song, I suggest you go off and listen to that instead. You should definitely listen to that version because there's many other versions and none of them are as good as the original no. as you might expect let's play something else now track seven and uh, the beautiful south are here uh, with pretenders to the throne your town is dragging me down it's dragging me down 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 your town is dragging me down it's dragging me down 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 as i watch some drop the grain into your fish tank brain how can you like this place when it never even rains? It's Oblong Desk, we're reviewing Now 32, that was a clip of track 7, Pretenders to the Throne by the Beautiful South. Um, I remember when we were playing this on Signal, it was incorrectly written as Pretenders to the Phone, which uh, is not a particularly <laughs> amusing misprint in itself, but does make you wonder who on earth thought that could be a song title. And it's yet another pre-release, there are a lot of pre-release tracks on here, I do wonder, I'll get this in now, whether Ashley was slightly having to juggle tracks here given that there was a revival of the hit series um 
just around the corner um so maybe he was having to pick and choose stuff that hadn't been released yet this one I think deserved to do a lot better than number 18. I think it was supposed to go on an album, but as far as I can tell, it never did. Um, so it's a kind of one-off, really. You never hear it now. I really like it. I think it's got a nice theme. It's all about uh, getting the listener to guess which town uh, Paul Heaton's talking about. And I don't think we ever find out, do we? We know it's not Hull, because he references Hull in the lyrics. So um, I'm not sure where he's talking about. Your town is dragging me down, is the lyric. So Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's a little European tour, isn't it, at the start? Yeah. And uh, it's a thoroughly pleasant pop ditty, I think. It stays comfortably on the right side of twee, because as you know, sometimes I feel the beautiful South can be a little twee. Yeah. Um, and it's not one that gets played by radio stations at all from their canon, um, which, given their penchant for uh, playing beautiful South songs, ad infinitum it's a shame mm. like you say it's, it is I, I really i really enjoyed it it's not one that i remembered you know I, I didn't sort of go oh i could sing along to that but then i found i was singing along yeah by the end of it yeah and that's partly why i wanted us to play a clip of it because i think it's one of those it does ring bells to those who are listening right to the radio at the time because it would have been on quite a lot i mean i know we played it a fair bit on the radio at signal certainly um and uh yeah i think it just goes under the radar i, th- I suspect because it was the first single after their greatest hits album which of course sold absolutely shed loads of copies and was in you know i think someone worked out the percentage of the uk's population who owned it and it was something like five percent ten percent something crazy like that i can't remember um but uh yeah it's it's like I say, in between albums, and I think it gets uh, forgotten about. Nice piano in this as well. I really love the piano on this. Yeah, enjoyable. Track eight on here is a, a debut, as you were mentioning, for um, one of Eternal. She got up and left Eternal. People didn't really notice um, from an Eternal point of view. But Louise is here with Light of My Life, which if you look in the dictionary for the definition of dull, it says, play this. <laughs> Probably best to play actually the video of it with the sound off. And then you get four minutes of Louise looking really happy in various holiday locations, which presumably is how she got the Thomas Cook gig years later. Uh, they just watched that. <laughs> yes, she can, she, can look, she can look happy and like she's enjoying herself in, in glamorous locations. The song, what, what was she yeah. thinking? spectacularly dull um and, and as you would expect given a huge push by the record company at the time so you couldn't escape it even though it really was incredibly dull i mean she did do better songs later we'll um we'll cover some of those in later now albums but uh she never really had what you would call an enduring classic i think most people would go for naked if there was one but i, I was never that fond of that even to be honest she had some heavyweight backing behind this not just outside the studio but inside it as well simon climey out of climey fisher producing it what was he thinking i don't know i think he's probably just uh, thinking will this do mainly because that's that's the general vibe of the whole thing isn't it really somebody who was definitely not doing it for the money without caring was jimmy nail he's on track nine with big river now, as songs about the time go, I prefer mine with more sickly sausage rules, to be honest. But this is well sung. It's done from the heart. Um, I'm not going to hate it, but it doesn't grab me, possibly because I never grew up on the banks of the time. 
No, I think that's the problem, isn't it? Autobiographical songs can go one of two ways. If you kind of connect with the singer or the location or whatever it is they're they're talking about in their past, then you think, oh, yeah, fantastic. But I don't really have any connections with uh, Geordies in general or um, Jimmy Nail's uh, childhood. So it just to me it's just an average song another pretty slow song in a on a disc that's absolutely full of them i mean simply red sticks out even more probably because it's a, a fast song in amongst loads of slowish ones it's all right this but it's far too long it's another long song this goes on for six minutes i mean surely there must have been a single edit i say that but actually i'm thinking about it i think we played this on the radio as well and i don't remember one um it's it's another pre-release track as mentioned previously there are an awful lot of them on this album and it's also our second number 18 hit in a row there's a stat for you now this next track is weirder mondo uh track 10 is sacred spirit with wishes of happiness and prosperity brackets yeehaw no ha brackets off you're making it sound more exciting than it is there by going yeehaw. Um, yeah, it's to me, this is dreadful new age twaddle, frankly. It's not in the same league as the things it's trying to copy, which is things like Enigma or Deep Forest, which we've covered before. Um, and not only that, but the single got to number 71 in April, so it was a flop. Um, it's here as, guess what, a pre-release reissue. Uh, and it got to number 37 second time round. I remember it was given a huge push, though, and, and the album even more so. It's basically, uh, well, this is a, a, what do we call them now, Native American, um, don't we? Native American chess yes. um, doing some of his old ritual chants. I believe the album has people from all over the world. But it has that sound of, rather than it being genuinely spiritual and ethnic, it just sounds like they've got the local drunk from outside the co-op down the road and got them into a recording studio to go because that's what it sounds like to me a dreadful yeah it's one of two things this it's either a heartwarming opportunity for us to experience native american culture and feel spiritually uplifted through one of their chants you know set to an ambient chill out beat or and I suspect this is what it is, uh, some producers trying to cash in on the let's stick something ethnic on our dance track. That seems to be going quite well at the moment. School of thought. As you say, it is very much not Enigma. It's not in that league in spades. Tell you what, though, if you were feeling spiritually uplifted, track 11 won't help, will it? It's Radiohead <laughs> and uh, Lucky, brackets Warchild, brackets off, um, a, a charity single, I believe. Uh, from the charity album War Child. Yeah. So very, very worthy. And actually, it's not too bad for Radiohead. If you draw the curtains, contemplate how only they seem to get the futility of your existence, then, you know, you can spend a few moments feeling a little bit miserable. Or alternatively, you just open the curtains and get over yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's the fifth consecutive uh, pre-release track on, actually, no, sixth, I think. Uh, oh, I've skipped Louise. I, I didn't write Louise down. Probably There's a good reason for that. I suspect Louise may uh, may not have been a pre-release, but even so, it's uh, certainly the fifth one in pretty short order. Um, and as you say, a worthy cause. Uh, it was actually on an EP, this, so it was on uh, the Help EP, uh, which contained not just this track, but 
tracks by other acts as well. Um, uh, the, the biggest flop on this album, number 51, surprisingly. You'd think it would have done better than that, but I guess maybe people just went out and bought the album. I mean, you wouldn't specifically go out and buy this unless you were a Radiohead fan because, you know, it's all right, but it's your typical Radiohead fare, nothing to get excited about. Get in touch at the Oblong Desk on Facebook and Twitter if you want to violently disagree or indeed compliment us on our opinions. We'll share your thoughts on a future desk. You could even record your reviews in audio form and become a podcast celebrity. How does that sound? I know. Coming up in the next section of the show, the Battle of Britpop is played out on the end of disc one. We'll relive that moment. Noakes takes the Beatles to task. I mean, I'm sorry, but anyone who's ever heard Maxwell's Silver Hammer and thinks that's better than the likes of She Loves You needs their ears tested, in my opinion. And I offer some useful riot control tips. What better thing to do to break up a fight than a bunch of Scousers? Next, though, it's time for track 12 and one of Pulp's best, sorted for ease and whiz. It's Oblong Desk and John and I are reviewing now 32. This time you just heard a portion of track 12, Sorted for Ease and Whiz by Pulp, which is uh, marvellous. It got as high as common people in the charts, number two, but of course no one ever plays it because it's not common people or Disco 2000, which are the two songs you tend to hear. But um, this is uh, very interesting stuff. It's, uh, it's a combination of a rave tune and a folk tune, I think, is what, what's trying to happen here. Uh, the lyrics are very amusing. The whole thing I enjoyed a lot more than I expected to, listening back to it again. It's probably the first time I've heard it in years and um, yeah I had a lot of fun listening to this I really enjoyed it actually Mm, Sheffield's finest and there I was working on a radio station in Sheffield at the time of Pulp's renaissance and utter dominance Uh, so obviously you know we're shouting it from the rooftops and a-listing every song they release right yes mate No, no no we didn't no we never played this because you know it's about drugs Uh, And we never played it even on the indie shows. It was basically banned from the station, along with everything else that they released, because they were toxic. And we're going, they're a Sheffield band. That's bizarre. are you thinking? Yeah, Uh, but no. That's um, weird, because we played it on Signal. And obviously, Stoke, no no particular connection to Pulp. Um, I don't think it was A-listed, but I'm pretty sure it was either B-listed or played on the evening shows, where, you know, when the kids would be listening. It certainly wasn't banned. Mm. Uh, and you know obviously if you do bother to listen to the lyrics then you discover it's uh, clearly an anti-drugs message also they played the shaman three years earlier um i've stood actually somewhere in a field in hampshire uh, (laughs) but it was on a primary school trip to a fake viking village Uh, i imagine though that the desolation that i was feeling when i stood there watching five-year-olds wander around and annoy pigs was pretty much the same experience that jarvis was talking about in the song 
yeah, it sounds like a pretty bleak come down. I, I expect it's uh, not not million miles away. Yeah, um, I think it's one of those that, you know, it's probably never going to get played on the radio ever again, but uh, go and listen to it because uh, it's great. And so is the album it comes oh, with. Oh, it is, yes. And then Call Your Mother. Yes. <laughs> Track 13 is a, a huge one. It's uh, one of those songs. Blur country house i will nail my battle of brit pop colors to the mass straight away i was always for blur uh, and while this isn't their finest work by any stretch of the imagination i did cheer when they beat oasis to number one yeah do you know what i did too i was always uh, a fan of blur i mean i bought their first album and while i didn't stick with them beyond that particularly other than enjoying some of the singles i did get park life i think I was definitely cheering them on and I was glad they won. So they won the battle. They probably didn't win the war in terms of record sales and certainly not in terms of the media falling over themselves to uh, to soil over uh, everything Oasis released after that. But uh, it's, um, it's not the finest of their singles. Uh, I don't think the album it comes from is particularly great. I remember hearing it for the first time and being pretty underwhelmed. Um, there's one good single from it, in my opinion, uh, which will, I think, come to on the next album i could be wrong that we're reviewing but uh yeah i mean it's you know it's a piece of history isn't it it's always going to be here it's a number one song it was a big story um i don't particularly want to hear it again though okay um you'd expect now that ashley would have uh, put oasis on straight after wouldn't you but he didn't um <laughs> sandwiched in between the two warring factions what 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 better thing to do to break up a fight than a bunch of scousers. <laughs> track fourteen. <laughs> you stay. Track fourteen is cast and all right. Um, it's about this time actually that I saw cast supporting you too in Leeds. Uh, completely accidentally. I, I hasten to add that there was a girl involved, and ordinarily I wouldn't have bothered with either of them. But you know, there you go. Uh, what was notable though about this gig, uh, which was in uh, Roundhay Park, uh, was that when cast finished. The entire crowd that was at the front of the stage just disappeared off. They all left. <laughs> they didn't even stay for you two. So clearly a lot of diehard cast fans prepared to pay you two ticket prices to see them. Uh, on reflection, I think particularly given this track as an example, I reckon they may want to you know, have a little think about whether a fairly average indie band with some pretty unremarkable songs was worth the kind of outlay to go and see them supporting you two but there you go yeah i think i always had a soft spot for cast um they weren't obviously a league um th their songs were you know sometimes hit and miss sometimes a bit samey i wouldn't say every single one was a classic uh this one's pretty good though and i, I do find it quite amusing actually that ashley split up blur and oasis presumably deliberately as you say with a bunch of scousers which is strange and i i've seen them in concert as well so i saw them support uh funnily enough the beautiful south um the following year i think it would either have been 96 or 97 and they were pretty good live actually they um they completely screwed up the intro to uh one of their songs flying i think it was and had a good laugh about that and at one point the power went off and um uh 
was it his name was John Power, wasn't it? The singer, is that right? Have I got that right yet? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, yes. Coincidentally yeah. enough. And he just said, Hey, we're scousers, we, we haven't put any money in the meter, and then they all walked off, which I thought was at least quite amusing as a one liner. So yeah, I mean it's yeah. it, it, it's nice to be reminded of these other Brit pop songs that it wasn't just about Blur and Oasis, even though they were the big hitters. Um the only thing that surprises me about this is that it only got to number thirteen. I thought it was a top ten hit, but no, apparently not. Oh, there you go. Uh, right, well, he did keep them apart, so track 15 is the other one of the two Battle of Britpop bands. It's Oasis, it's Roll With It, and um, in the words of Jamie Thixton, there's more than a whiff of number two about it. <laughs> yes, he did. he did say that, didn't he? I, I've done a four-word review. I think it's four. Yes, uh, it depends if the second word's hyphenated or not, but uh, I, my four-word review is as follows. <clears throat> more clod-hopping lump and drivel. There you go. Let's play something much better then. Track 16, and it's McCall Martin Butler and the mighty Yes. Track 16 on disc one of now 32, and I feel like I have to do a Stephen Toast style uh, announcement here. Yes, that was uh, McCormick and Butler. Um, I would say that this is uh, maybe nailing my colours to the mast early here. Not only probably the best song on this album, but possibly the best song of the entire year from 1995, and yet it only got to number eight. What were people thinking? It should have at least been top five. In an ideal world, in some parallel world, uh, it would have been number one for weeks and no one would think about Country House by Blur ever again. Where do you start with this track? It is joyous, it's uplifting, it's a stunning vocal, it's lyrically both pithy and sassy at the same time. It is one of the best songs, not just of the year, it's the be- one of the best songs ever made. It's Bernard Butler's favourite song he's ever written. Is it? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I delved into it. He, uh, there's an interview with him where he, he talks all about this on YouTube, which you watch. And there's also on YouTube David McCalmont, who's now a vocal coach. He's done a video explaining how to sing this song, oh. which is 12 or 13 minutes of your life that you should go and see. Everybody should go and watch it. Yeah, it I, I want to definitely want to check that out. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, what a what a vocal coach he would be. Can you imagine? My goodness. If for some reason this passed you by at the time, or you're one of our junior deskettes and are therefore unaware, it is your civic duty to get hold of a copy of this song and just get blown away by its awesomeness. It's equally, I think, important as washing your hands and wearing a mask in in the world of the British Isles. It's just simply stunning piece of music. Yes. 
stay at home, protect the NHS, listen to McElmont and Butler. Yes, um, I, I couldn't agree more, to be honest. It's just a shame that they did one album, then they fell out, didn't they? And then about 10 years later, I think they made up and did another album again. And I think they're still friends now, but they don't don't record together. Yes, that's right. And uh, and there's a, a lovely story, actually, that Bernard Butler tells in this interview of him going to uh, the fireworks one November at Alexandra Palace and he said oh they usually just play classical music while they were doing the fireworks and then this came on and he said it was one of the, the you know, he, had, he hadn't like rigged it or anything they just had chosen this track to do the finale of the fireworks to and I can imagine that would have been awesome yeah he said I- he was just so uplifted by it yeah, so so people who do the New Year's Eve fireworks in the unlikely event you're listening, why not put aside your uh, pretty dreadful and now old hat mashups of current grime tracks and whatever Clean Bandit have released this year, and uh, and stick this on instead? Tar. Well, we should probably just stop there because music has ended. But no, let's carry on. <laughs> let's plow on to track seventeen. And uh, Great Uncle Britpop is back. It's Paul Weller with Broken Stones. Uh, it's bluesy and pleasant without ever setting the world on fire. Yeah, it has the unfortunate um, slot of following on from Calment and Butler, and it was never gonna, it was never gonna uh, pull up any trees, was it? After that, but you know, in 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 Weller standards, this is in the top half. It's uh, it's quite a nice little track. Uh, I remember we played this on the radio too. There's an awful lot of these um, tracks on this uh, album we played. And, um, yeah, it was always quite a nice one to play at uh, four o'clock in the morning. Quite nice and mellow. Not sure how it works at four o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't ever get the chance to find out. Not that I'm bitter or anything. Let's move on. Okay to uh, track 18 and I'm about to do some more triple A um, a little round of applause here for Ashley as he segues a couple of Beatles covers together Yes. Um, first Suggs uh, with I'm Only Sleeping a pretty good reggae version of what is a fairly abysmal for, by Beatles standards drug fueled mess of, of hippie nonsense uh, but Suggs gets rid of all of that and um, and speeds it up a little and I think does a good job. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm, as you probably know, uh, one of the few people who prefers early and mid-period Beatles to late Beatles. Um, I think that most of their particularly dreadful songs certainly came towards the end. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, but anyone who's ever heard Maxwell's Silver Hammer and thinks that's better than the likes of She Loves You is uh, needs their ears tested, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with this. Um, I actually like it more now than I did then, because I was going through the tracks in this disc thinking, oh, I'll probably skip this one after about 30 seconds. I'll probably get bored of it. I think I listened to the whole thing, which is quite rare when I'm listening to these albums, because I usually know the tracks pretty well. Um, so it was his first solo song, um, number seven hit. Um, which isn't bad at all, is it really? We've got a more famous Suggs cover to come later in our now journey. But uh, until then, (laughs) I'm sure there'll be some impressions too, listener. But uh, that's one you'll just have to listen out for in the meantime. Yes, a nice nice little pop tune. Yeah, and to finish off uh, disc one, the Smoking Mojo Filters and Come Together, which is essentially Paul McCartney, Paul Weller, Noel Gallagher... Steve Craddock from Ocean Colour Scene and Steve White, the drummer from the Style Council, with Carlene Anderson. So that's a fairly stellar and musically credible lineup for a supergroup, isn't it? And again, this is in aid of uh, Warchild. Weller, I think, does the main vocal expertly uh, mm. and be- better than the McCartney original, in my humble. Uh, have you seen the video to this? 
Um, I remember seeing it at the time. I haven't seen it probably since. It it is classic McCartney fare. Everything. He's gurning at the camera. (laughs) Double thumbs up. (laughs) Two thumbs Uh, aloft. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But, but yeah, I, I think this may well be, because of the way it's produced be better than the Beatles original um yeah again it's not one of my favorite Beatles songs the original um I think it was was it it was that single that was a double a with something wasn't it and something just blows it out of the water I mean that's an absolutely magnificent song um and I always I always got confused as to why we always have to play come together on the radio instead but anyhow um yeah it's it's all right this cover as these charity supergroups go it's um you know pretty good pedigree um only got to number 19 again maybe everyone just bought the war child album when it came out and didn't need the single perhaps so there ends disc one we shall pop it out of the oblong desk cd player we don't have one listener and and in goes disc two and traditionally this is the dance disc, of course. It's not really that much of a dance disc this time round, is it? There's uh, there's a lot of other things sneaking in. Yeah, some soul and pop in there, but um, we start off with R&B, don't we? Mm. And a monster hit, uh, which I really didn't like at the time. It's Coolio featuring LV and Gangster's Paradise. I say hated it at the time because i had to play it literally every day and sometimes twice a show uh, and that didn't make it any better then i kind of got into it then i discovered it was a stevie wonder original song and listened to that version and um you'll be unsurprised that it's all the stevie wonder bits that i like the best in this but i would like we said with some of the other ones like with the uh, the share hit i'd go and listen to the stevie wonder original version if you're unaware of it and it's an interesting exercise to compare and contrast where i am on it now i like this version it's okay yeah i think i'd probably enjoy it more now than i did then for exactly the same reasons um it's a pretty strong start to disc two you have to say it's number one hit and amazingly it's another of ashley's pre-releases here's what he says in the booklet seems likely to chart very high indeed now with the benefit of hindsight that seems like a no-brainer but imagine if this had got to number 30 or something that would have looked spectacularly stupid so fair play to ashley for taking a punt on an artist who at this point had had one top 75 not top 40 hit and nothing else released i suppose you know given the pedigree of the sample it was always likely and it was a soundtrack song wasn't it it was always likely to be a hit but still fair play yeah well done ashley let's play what is a remarkable piece of music? It's track two, Shaggy and Boombastic. You're the only young girl who can ring my bell and I can take rejection. So you tell me go to well, I'm Boombastic. Tell me fantastic, put me on my box, she says I'm Mr. Rowe. Romantic, tell me fantastic, she tells me on my box, she says I'm Mr. Boom, 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 Boombastic. Tell me fantastic, put me on my box, she call me Mr. Rowe. Boombastic from Shaggy, which is the second track on the second disc of now 32. I think, I don't know what you reckon. Did people forget this was on a jeans ad? I, I did until I read the booklet. I thought, oh yeah, now I remember. It's not your typical jean, uh, the usual brand listener. I, I'm not mentioning brands anymore because no one's given us freebies, so uh, why should I bother? Uh, but yes, the usual brand of jeans used this. Another number one hit. Now you see, you still like this, obviously. I don't think this has aged as well as Coolio, personally, but uh, I suspect you're going to defend it. Well, as we're in an era where 
this sort of thing isn't cool anymore let's just remind ourselves how awesome this song is it was so much fun it's clearly done tongue-in-cheek it's just a quality piece of silliness everybody loved it at the time and i can't i can't listen to it without smiling yeah, and and I guess if we're talking about the uh, Me Too generation, then there's a, a later Shaggy song that we all know well that also got to number one that's probably a lot more problematic than this one. I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's all right. I was never a massive fan of it, to be honest. It, it Weirdly, a version of it, and I don't know if it's the same version, I very much doubt it, appeared about three years earlier on, uh, I think it was a... It might have been a Virgin Records sampler. A record label, let's say it was Virgin Records, it might not have been, released three themed compilations, and uh, this is on there. I've never heard the version. If you've got it, then do do get in touch and let us know if it's the same version. But on there, it's written as three words. Boom, space, bass, space, tick. Um, So presumably, this had been knocking around for a while before it was a big hit. Which may be how uh, Levi's, oops, uh, said, Yes. I'll have a pair, even if no. Maybe that's how they discovered <laughs> it. Track three is Entrance featuring Ricardo de Force and yes, he's done it. Staying Alive. Uh, I had warned you about Mr. De Force and what he was about to do uh, in namely unimproved classic songs. I stand by that notion. Uh, if De Ute really needed to hear a disco classic with loads of hoos and general thuggish rapping all over it, then more fool them. They should have just put the Bee Gees on instead. Um, I've always liked it. <laughs> I don't it's think... Made you quite wrong. <laughs> I don't think it's a classic of its era by any means. Um, but I don't know. I think it's got a certain charm. I, I mean, Ricardo de Force, because of his time with the KLF, can do anything, and I wouldn't really be too bothered, to be honest. Uh, although... Entrance songs do get significantly worse uh, to the point where they rival Clock for uh, the ability to do terrible covers by the end of the decade. But let, let's uh, again save that for later. I'm preempting everything today, aren't I? Um, yeah, I, I like it. It was a big hit, number two hit. So you know, at the very least, you must agree that it it's, uh, it's has its rightful place here at the beginning of this disc. Oh, there's an inevitability about it that I cannot overlook. <laughs> What I'm going to do instead, though, is put another track on to take my mind off it. And uh, let's play Donna Summer and the Rollo and Sister Bliss monster mix of I Feel Love. on disc 2 of Now 32 which we're reviewing here on Oblong Desk that's the uh, remix of Donna Summer's I Feel Love now my first single that I ever bought with my own pence was the Patrick Cowley remix of uh, I Feel Love in 1982 maybe my fondness for that stopped me enjoying this version at the time uh, because I remember thinking this was nowhere near as good and was pretty much sacrilege compared to both that remix and the original 
you know what? I listened to this again, um, once again, thinking, oh, I'll probably skip this after 30 seconds. And it really drew me in. So I have to say, in retrospect, this is a rather fine remix by Rollo. Uh, Got to number eight in the chart, which is also miles higher than the Patrick Cowley remix. So to give it its due, it was a a, a much bigger hit. And um, it has to be said, you know, Rollo and Sister Bliss do very good remixes. They also did a remix of Fairground by Simply Red, which is excellent. And if you don't like the original, you might want to check that out because it's uh, it's very good. But uh, as far as this one goes, yes, let's just chalk it up as another one that I prefer now more than I did then. Okay. I could probably listen to any version of I Feel Love. And we've heard a few, like, for example, we heard the curved version on uh, the Oblong Desk for Ruby Tracks. Um, I could listen to any version and enjoy it. It's just such one of those things that is so iconic that you can't destroy it, I don't think. You can do bad versions of it but you're always going to get hooked in have you heard have you heard vanessa may's version well maybe there's an exception that proves a rule no i haven't should i uh i i bought it because it was 99 pence and it was i feel love and i thought the same as you this can't possibly be terrible spoiler it is okay um well yeah like you whenever i listen to a version of i feel love i don't want it ruined this is enhanced i think the um there's some interesting touches that they add to it um but it's very sympathetic to the the original it keeps all the important bits of the original yes, in the right order you just end up enjoying well if you if like me you listen to the 12 inch mix about eight minutes of gloriousness there's also a 13 minute mix from the 82 remix version which is quite something if you can stomach listening to any song for that long it is awesome in my opinion but not for everyone well we're going to get a chance to listen to the baseline again with track five uh, more more triple a here's berry uh, and sunshine after the rain the uh, two cowboys edit it's uh one that i really loved at the time and I kind of am less enamoured with now. It's an Elkie Brooks song, so yeah. a, a real strange choice to turn into a Eurodance hit. But, you know, it's a decent vocal, and, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't like it as much as I did at the time. Yeah, I think I'm with you on this one. So it got to number 26 the first time round when it was credited to New Atlantic and Euphoria. Euphoria in letters and numbers. Do you see what they did there? Um, That's very clever. Yeah, featuring Berry. And then this time round, it was remixed and the credit was just for Berry. Uh, it got to number four. I mean, as you say, it's a cover version of an unlikely song to convert into a dance classic. The bass line is clearly nicked from I Feel Love. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's not dated particularly well, I would argue. It's the only time Berry appears on a Now album. It is. And uh, she's not the only one. Who else? is here on Now32, but Now Where Else notes. Now Where Else. So, quick reminder of the rules. These are artists that appeared once only on a main Now album. Not talking about Now Dance or any of the other spin-offs. So, um, there aren't as many as you'd think on here, actually, given that there are a few uh, lesser-known acts. Uh, only ten in all. Uh, Sacred Spirit, and I think we can all say thank goodness for that. McColman and Butler. Smoking Mojo Filters. Uh, as a group Donna Summer which is uh, the surprise I guess Berry the original Candy Girls Happy Clappers Wild Colour and Evoke of which three are one hit wonders Sacred Spirit Wild Colour 
and the Smoky Mojo filters, but again, you may wish to disqualify them from the count in total because they're made up of people who were on their albums. Yeah, I think I am going to disqualify the supergroup category. Okay, I so just nine have. then. Just nine yeah. in total, which is yeah. very low. Yeah. Track six is Try Me Out from Corona. We've chatted about that. You'll have to go and listen to another desk from the past for that one, listener. Uh, so on to track seven, which is the original and... I love you, baby. Love and you spelt all wrong. It was very popular at the time, this one. Uh, and to me, it's just a another pretty good dance track. Uh, I don't see kind of why it got quite the love it did, though. Yeah, I I kind of liked it for a, a, about a week, and then I got very bored of it very quickly. It's another one that was released twice. So in this case, it came out at the beginning of the year, got into about number 31 or something, and then had an ever so slight remix. I think they took some of the male vocals out, if anything, um, when they remixed it. Um, you still hear it quite a lot today on you know club classic shows on Lung FM and the like, uh, who just uh, pile up the usual suspects to give the housewives some songs to dance to around the kitchen or whatever but yeah it's not one of my favorites i have to say have you by any chance paused the podcast to listen to mccall Morton butler yet well if not it has to be your first port of call as soon as the closing credits roll that is an oblong desk order but still there's some treats to come as we decide which tracks to replace meatloaf with and pick our favorite songs from now 32 also Noakes will say that something is camp. I think it is camp. I think it's high camp. It's, you know, it's like Mr. Humphreys on one of his uh, campus days. I will say that something is car crash music. It's so truly mind-blowing. You find yourself hooked just to see what awfulness might happen next. It is car crash music. And we got tracks from Josh Wink, The Happy Clappers, and this from Everything But The Girl. It's Missing. reviewing now 32 on this edition of oblong desk we've got to track eight on disc two it's everything but the girl and missing one of the biggest hits of 1995 so i'm glad it's here really for some reason they've gone with the longer five minute mix on the album there was a four minute edit which is a little bit uh, snappier but still this is perfectly fine uh, another pre-release track so again a bit of a punt by ashley uh, considering the original slow acoustic version had flopped completely it was no guarantee it was going to be a hit in the Todd Terry remix form, but I suppose you know you you, you can tell even now with the benefit of hindsight it was probably likely to be a big smash. Spent absolutely ages in the chart, did this. So uh, I think me and John probably both played it on the radio for years afterwards. But it's one of those that actually stands the test of time. Big hit number three. Still like it. I think it's good. Yeah, me too. Uh, for me, the best dance track on uh, this album. Uh, mighty vocals and there's that lingering sense of desperation that you get from so many everything but the girl songs it's all in there even in a dance track form now obviously 
this version, the dance version, is the one that the radio stations picked up on and played. But there's considerable love, I discovered, for the original version of this. Yeah. Uh, and um, you can go and have a listen to that as well on YouTube. Uh, it's very, very much different, a much more acoustic version of it. Um, personally, I like this one better. Uh, but I think it's worth you know, going and having a listen to that version as well and see if you think it is a good original. Because there's, there's some songs... Uh, like, do you remember the Susan Vega? Um, oh, Tom's Diner. Tom's Diner. That's the yeah. one I was trying to put my finger on, where the original version is completely a cappella. Yeah. Uh, and she she really didn't like what uh, DNA did with it. But, you know, it's, it's such a, it's a song that needed something like that doing too. Yeah. Uh, and I think this, not in the same league of, uh, of needing a remix, but definitely it suits a dance track really, really well. Yeah, and they did embrace it, you know. I mean, some some artists would get very stuffy about dance remixes and go, oh, that's, that's not the kind of thing we do at all. Um, but they really embraced it. So they had another Todd Terry mix track um, the following year. Then they went a bit drum and bass for a while, didn't they? I was never really into those singles so much. But, you know, they, they kind of got into dance music through this remix and it did revitalise their career because, rightly or wrongly, those acoustic songs were not getting them hits. They were perfectly fine and there were plenty of others in the early 90s that were not necessarily big hits but similar. Um, and this kind of got them back in the spotlight. So uh, a good one all round, I think. Yes. Now, now another band that was having a bit of a change. Oh, dear. Not in music or musical direction, but in personnel. It's Eternal, who had booted out Louise, and here they are with their first post-Louise effort, Power of a Woman. Now, you've just gone, oh, dear, but I think this is a rather fine R&B effort, uh, and it's very prototype Destiny's Child. They will obviously come along in a few years' time and do this sort of thing a thousand times better. But in the meantime, I don't think the Power of a Woman is bad at all. I am not keen. Um, I tell you the thing that I really dislike about this. I hate the intro. It just sets my teeth on edge. It's only about five seconds of beats before they start singing, but it just sounds awful. And even at the time, sticking it on and playing it to the assembled populace of Stoke, who probably lapped it up, I expect, um, I thought, God, could they not have made this sound a bit more convincing? Um, as a result of that, I kind of don't really remember the rest of the song because the intro blots it all out for me you may well be right but uh yeah i i couldn't bear to hear much of it and that's a problem with us djs isn't it uh, is that we tend to only hear the first five seconds of a song or however many seconds it tells us there is on, yes. on our little sheet of paper the introduction is and you go oh, i've got 12 seconds there <laughs> Unless, of course, you worked for a radio station where you weren't allowed to talk over any of the music, which, in hindsight, I think is probably a good thing. But at the time, of course, we were so full of ourselves that I couldn't bear to think that I couldn't talk up to a lyric. Indeed. Soul to Soul, track 10, uh, with I Care, I Don't. <laughs> That's even pithier than my Oasis review. Um, yeah, it's got, in brackets, Soul to Soul, rather incongruously, which is a, a bit a bit of a strange thing to do. Um, it's, it's extremely bland, isn't it? Um, the booklet goes into detail on who sings this. I can't remember who it is. I didn't write it down because, no, I don't care much either. Let's move on to uh, track 11, which I feel like we've heard before, but that's because it sounds like the others. It's the Out Here Brothers and... La 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 hey hey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, dear. Uh, in a way, I just feel sad for them, you know, because th- they might be grown up now with children. Uh, and when those kids go to them and go, Daddy, Daddy, in the olden times, what did you do? They'll have to play this. Uh, and then the children will be mortified. It, it has, as you say, another kind of rehashing of the previous songs. And it's just not funny. No, still a top Stop ten it. hit. Still a top ten hit, though, sadly. What were you thinking, Great British Public? What were you doing? Track 12's funny, though. That is funny. <laughs> it's Wigfield and Big Time. No, I, okay, any song that starts off with an ode to Ruth Maddock... <laughs> oh, God. ...then disappears into, like, a Carlin production music version of Ace of Bass, has the world's least convincing rap performed, yes, by Wigfield herself, and a video that features her pushing a shopping trolley through the desert. It's so truly mind-blowing. You find yourself hooked just to see what awfulness might happen next. It is car crash music. (laughs) I have written the following, Plinky Plonk Hell. Um, This is another pre-release track. Um, Ashley obviously thought, well, she's had four hits. Let's go for number five. It was a a hit, but not not a massive hit. A double-A side with Last Christmas, Um, her version of which, you might disagree because you're not a Wham fan, I find equally risible. They're both as bad as each other, these songs, on this double A side. And he, he could have put Last Christmas on it being a Christmas album, couldn't he? He yeah. could have thrown that in there. Yeah. Um, no, that, that, her version of it is nearly as nauseating as Wham's. I, just, I hate Last Christmas. Let's not go down that route. <laughs> Sorry, listener. Yes, let's not go there. Instead, let's have a look at track 13, um, which is weirdly from Alex Party. A different song from Don't Give Me Your Life. Uh, They have at least tried to do something new. It's called Wrap Me Up, and unfortunately, because it isn't Don't Give Me Your Life, it's not very good. Really? Oh, I don't know. I love it. I've always loved this. I'm I'm a sucker for the uh, Italian dance tracks, as you know, regardless of whether they're not particularly original. And actually, this doesn't rip off Don't Give Me Your Life. It does kind of... Uh, reuse bits of Saturday Night Party, Read My Lips, or whatever you want to call it, given that there were 3,000 versions of that, many of which we've already covered in the past. Um, I I like it. Uh, It's another pre-release track. Ashley's on the pre-release button again. Uh, Another reasonable hit, number 17. Yeah, I think it's quite pleasant. No, I didn't like it at all. I got bored very quickly. Didn't get bored with this next one, though. We're going to play you a bit of it. Higher State of Consciousness is Josh Wink. That's Josh Wink with the original version of Higher State of Consciousness, track 14 on disc 2 of Now 32. I was never a massive fan of this in any of its forms, so I always thought it was a bit overrated, if I'm honest. Uh, it was a hit twice, both of them are on Now albums. Uh, this version got to number 8, and out of the two, um, I don't know whether it's just because it's a little bit more stripped down, perhaps, this version. I think I prefer this one to the later remix now. I think this is really, really, really good. Uh, I love the minor to major chord change that gives you that kind of hardcore dance into euphoric dance. Uh, I love the way it builds almost seamlessly from very minimalist at the beginning to 
that full-on whistles and bells ending. It's very clever. It's very well produced. Um, it, it shows you don't have to be complex to be successful as long as you're doing things in a clever building way. I love that kind of thread where you don't notice it getting significantly louder. There isn't a gear change at any point that, that doesn't work. But there you are starting off from this really quite quiet and just just some basically drum beats. Yeah, it is uh, just beats, end, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, to the end, which is full-on rave anthem. Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of this. Yeah, I probably, I probably like it more than I did then. I mean, it's got my kind of thing on it because it uses acid house noises. You know, squeaky. Uh, what was it? Three hundred three. The keyboards they used to use on the um, acid house track, something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's got the kind of things I like in a dance track. It just. I don't know, this never quite comes together for me. But you're right, it's very very well constructed. And I think the construction and the way the song flows kind of gets a bit lost in the remix version, but we'll obviously save discussion on that till uh, a couple of albums down the road. Indeed. Instead, let's move on to a uh, song by Wildchild, Renegade Master. I think I must have heard this in a club oh. because I can remember dancing to it and thinking it was a tune. I think out of its club environment, it's a little bit repetitive. I loved it at the time, though. Yeah, I've again never a fan. Um, I, I like Josh Wink more than this. Uh, also a hit twice, and probably more notable in its remix form, which is a fair bit further in the future from this album. Uh, actually, it was a hit three times because it was a very minor hit at the beginning of '95, released as Legends of the Dark Black Part One. It's exactly the same song. They obviously realised that that title was ridiculous. And if you're going to have a big hit, probably better call it something more sensible. And Renegade Master sounds a lot cooler than that overly long title. That's probably why it did better second time round. It got to number 11. But I don't know. I've always found this slightly irritating, to be honest. i tell you what it reminded me of just ever so slightly, and that was uh, Fatboy Slim. Yes, well, he got his hands on it later. So um, that, that kind of maybe he was listening to and thinking hmm I could do something with this but again that's one we'll have to save for a future desk track 16 on disc 2 is Goldie's Inner City Life now I better be careful on this one because uh, one of my mates is a close personal showbiz chum of Goldie and I mean like properly pops around his house oh, right. uh, and, uh, and and does his um, I think he does his stereos you know he, like, he sort of wires <laughs> up he, he's, a, he's a sound producer oh, fair enough. and you know, and 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 audio engineer, and I think yes, for whatever reason, is is bizarre. It's mates with Goldie, even though this is the sort of thing that doesn't get me excited. I will genuinely say you can hear the quality and the musicianship in the production. It's a nice vocal as well. I would prefer this entire song without the trademark 100 mile an hour break beats but that is just me yeah and i think that's a fair summary actually this is another pre-release um not a successful ashley punt do you know where this got to number 39 i thought it was a much bigger hit than that um it was played quite a lot as i recall um i think the same as you i think it's got its charms you can see uh it's got its good points it just doesn't quite hang together. And also, it's not my kind of thing. I was never a big fan of Jungle. If I had to listen to it, this would certainly be one of the more pleasant listens from that genre, I would say. Agreed. Now then, to something slightly bizarre. Um, the Human League's Don't You Want Me Red Jerry 7-inch remix, which I think is is an interesting one to compare and contrast with uh, the Donna Summer track 
that we played a little bit ago. It's another example of those vocal lines that's so iconic and indestructible is Don't You Want Me. You can, you can do virtually anything with it and it will take it and it will come out the other end intact. This, I think, all comes down to a question of whether you like what Red Jerry have done with this and I'm kind of ambivalent. Yeah, it's not as bad as I remembered. I, I think I have another album with a different remix on, which is by Snap, and that is truly appalling, and I was expecting it to be that. When I looked in the um, sleeve notes for the, for the booklet and I saw that it was the Red Jerry one, I thought, ah, that's why it's not quite as bad as I remembered. Still a bit of a pointless exercise. It was done to tie in with a greatest hits collection that uh, came out at the time. Uh, a pre-release track. Uh, it was always going to be a top 20 hit. It was only just, though, number 16... Um, I didn't hate it as much as I expected to. It builds into the chorus very well. I'll give it that. There's a, there's a little bit of a kind of drops out the beats before the chorus, which is the right thing to do if you're going to remix an old 80s track. Um, but it's, yeah, doesn't quite work. Nearly there, but not quite. Now, track 18, my first exposure to Candy Girls' fee fi fo fum I don't remember this at the time at all. Uh, and, and I feel just very, very confused having listened to it very confused indeed is it camp is it lard i don't know it just really left me feeling uneasy i I, it wasn't my cup of tea i just want to leave it alone (laughs) it was the first of three hits they had and i bought one of them on cd single but i can't remember which one it was um it got to number 23 this i think it is camp i think it's high camp it's you know it's like mr humphreys on one of his uh, campus days in the uh in the uh, storeroom i would say i think it's it's faintly amusing but I wouldn't want to hear it again for another 20 years, I don't think. I think it's one of those, it's fine if you're wheeling it out on, on a classic chart show, like uh, like certain shows you could mention on, on the radio, but I'll, I'll, I won't plug my own show. But uh, yeah, it, outside of that, and in context of this album as well, it does kind of stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, in terms of tempo, it's it's similar, I guess, to that Human League remix, but it's worlds apart in terms of quality and what it's trying to do as i say it was deeply deeply upsetting (laughs) not in a kind of sad way just i I felt literally sick (laughs) anyway uh to track 19 let's play a little bit of happy clappers and i believe nearly there listener we're nearly there track 19 on disc 2 of now 32 happy clappers and i believe and after a few kind of middling songs it has to be said following on from the last genuine anthem which you'd probably agree is josh wink this is a proper hands in the air anthem job another one to be released twice in 1995 there's a few of those on this disc uh got to number 21 the first time uh, it wasn't a remix even when it came out again it was just a reissue and rightly made the top 10 second time around number seven hit and i think this one still stands up i think it's a fantastic song well i know why you picked it because it's got the italo house piano that will always sucker you in <laughs> and, um, and some lardy vocals yes yeah, yeah yeah it's a good enough dance track and i think you're right you can stick it on now and it doesn't sound dated it sounds still 
eminently listenable to. It's not my favourite dance track on here. There's a couple more that I prefer to hear. Uh, but yeah, does the job. Solid, solid piece of music. I think I think it needed one of those near the end because you know the last few tracks haven't been big hits and they've not been particularly memorable either. So I think it's a nice, nice placing to have it here before we get to the very end, which for once. I don't think he's too bad on this album, but uh, uh, let's see what you think of track 20, because that's uh, Dreams, the Fleetwood Mac song by Wild Colour. What do you reckon on that? My dreams would consist of a world where I can banish the memory of this and just listen to Fleetwood Mac instead. It's a perfecto production, so it's not the worst thing you've ever heard, because it, you know it, it's at least reasonable. I don't think it's appalling. Only a number 25 hit. Um, quite restrained, really, for a dance cover, you have to say. They've, they've not gone crazy with the beats like with the human league one I, I don't think it's that bad to be honest i mean i i paid a visit to urn uh, around the time this single was released and they were playing it like crazy and i do remember thinking well it's not that good why are you playing this to death because it you know it's all right but there's better songs out there and i kind of still feel the same i, I don't think it's dreadful but it's a bit of a forgotten oddity we often get these at the end of now albums we do, uh, and uh, track 21, the final track on here, uh, I think is better, and it's an unexpectedly interesting track to end with. It's kind of, is it jungle with a hint of rave, or, or uh, an anthemic track with a jungle twist? Either way, I think it's well sung, it's well produced, and I enjoyed it so much that I actually listened to it and then stuck it back on again and listened to it straight away again. Ah, brilliant well i like it too i've always liked this actually so evoke and runaway track 21 is um a bit of a it's a bit like set you free isn't it in some respects you can see there's a little bit of a kind of overlap with that maybe that's why you like it because i know you love that track. yeah um i i've always had a soft spot for this uh track it's another pre-release not one of ashley's bigger successes because uh it stalled at number 30 which is surprising really you think it would have been a bigger hit their next single was a slightly bigger hit um it was called arms of loren um, it's very, very good. It didn't get much higher in the chart. It's not on a Now album, as we've already discussed, because they, they were part of the Now Where Else list. But I think that's excellent as well. So I think if you're going to check out Runaway, do check out Arms of Loren afterwards as well. Good. So, yeah, a strong, for once, end to a Now album. We haven't got any skippers at the end, which is always nice. No, and it doesn't go into dribbly soul ballad mode at the end, which uh, so many of them often Yay do. Yeah, he has stopped doing that, hasn't he? Yep. Um, I think also, do you remember we were we were looking uh, in our previous Oblong Desks occasional table at that horrendously sequenced album, Hits Blitz? Oh, yeah. And I think the number of times we've applauded Ashley on Now 32 for his sequencing as much as everything else, sort of witty and musically astute sequencing, I think this is one of the best put together albums uh, and and certainly in contrast to hit splits i think yeah here's a man who knows what he's doing well it is and if you look at it from the point of view of uh cassette and lp buyers because let's face it there still would have been quite a few at the time maybe not so many on the lp side but cassette side um it does break down into four quarters so you've got the 
pop and ballad section on disc one, arguably far too many ballads, but, you know, he's just picking stuff that was in the chart and big hit. You've then got the indie side. Um, you've then got the dance side and the second half of disc two. OK, there's still a lot of dance on there, but it does branch out a bit into um, a little bit of soul and a little bit of uh, jungle as well and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I agree. Um Full marks to Ashley for the sequencing on this one. Not my favourite Now album, but there's a few tracks on here I enjoyed more than I thought I was going to. So uh, I think I probably, in summary, am a bit tough on this particular time in my life because when I started doing radio in the summer, doing overnight shows was a bit of a novelty and, you know, it was the career I wanted to get into. Six months down the line, when you're in the middle of winter and you see no daylight at all because you're sleeping in the day and you've got to walk uh, a fair long distance to to the radio station in you know snow rain hail whatever um, the novelty's worn off a bit and i think that's probably why the music from this period isn't uh, something that brings happy memories so much <laughs> Having said that it's a uh, a robust album, there are, of course, tracks that we should be getting rid of and replacing with some others. And I know you will have a list uh, of look what you could have ones for us to consider for replacements and improvements to Now 32. I do indeed, yeah. And surprisingly, um, given that I've avoided stuff that appeared on the Hits album, which is coming in a future desk, quite a lot of uh, contenders. I've actually had to cross a few out uh, on the basis that I had too many. So I've stuck to eight contenders, which is quite a lot. Um, I've crossed out things that I know you wouldn't pick in a million years, like Boyzone. Um, So uh, starting from the top and the oldest one that could potentially have been considered here, uh, the Pet Shop Boys remix of Paninaro, which got to number 15. Not one of my favourite Pet Shop Boys singles, but they were regulars on Now albums. Yeah, no, I'm not bothered by that one, to be honest. Okay, another remix. Uh, Felix, Don't You Want Me, the Patrick Prince remix got to number 10. I don't think it's as good as the original, though. It isn't, and Felix's Don't You Want Me, we enjoyed lots on one of our very first oblong desks so i'm going to reject that as no you can't come back again okay fair enough um juice and on the bible we had their first two singles so why not the third it got to number 13 it's got the one of the campest bits in music when the uh, chap turns up in the middle to say <laughs> if i was really honest or whatever it is um I, I like it but i'm guessing you probably don't like it as much as i do <laughs> do you know what it's silly um and it's one of the songs that I do remember by them. It's leading at the moment. Okay, I think you might change that. Um, the Shaman, once now regulars, but abandoned as soon as they start getting smaller hits. Destination Eschaton got to number 15. So was regard- oh, that was pants. I, really, I can't, you know, I think yeah, it, didn't I, like it have you all. heard it recently? I think it's aged better than I expected. No, for the reason that, that I thought it was risible at the time. Okay. Uh, I haven't listened to it, but I shall now, on your recommendation, go back and give it another yeah, I whirl. Think, I think it's I think it's all right. I think it's um I, I think it's surprising that it didn't go top ten, actually, given given the their pedigree. But anyway, uh, moving on. A, a top ten hit and a huge club hit that would have sat brilliantly on disc two, I think. Uh Delacy with Hideaway. Um Oh do you not like it? Yes. You no, do like I love it. it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
I, I don't know if it's licensing. It didn't turn up on the Hits album, so nobody had it. I think it turned up on a few dance compilations. Um, maybe they were saving it for one of the other, not now dance, but Virgin dance albums on the same label, perhaps. But still, they should have slung it on here. Yeah, of course they should have. It was a huge hit, and it's just a really, really well-produced dance track. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, this next one, you could argue, maybe would have been touch-and-go in terms of licensing, because sometimes she was on Now album, sometimes she wasn't. Janet Jackson and Runaway, which got to number six, one of her bigger 90s hits. Yeah, not a fan. I mean, I, I do recognise her quality, and like you say, sometimes she was here, sometimes she wasn't. Uh, I think if you've got the opportunity to sling a Jackson on, whoever they are, and given they didn't have access to Michael, you should be putting Jacksons on their albums. Yeah, it's a bit strange. It was a big radio favourite as well. Uh, just a bit too plinky-plonk for my liking, but I th- I, it's all right. It's pretty inoffensive stuff. Um, another Now album regular of the past, Erasure and Stay With Me, another number 15 hit. Um, I was a bit underwhelmed with that when they came out with that i thought first single off an album why are you not releasing something a bit more upbeat they did the same the album before actually yeah uh it, it's a it's a little bit of a fallow period for erasure i think um and and maybe it's just it's a more grown-up sound and and they'd gone away from vince's absolute bonkersness but yes for me like like we were saying last time on oblong desk should now albums be full of tracks that you go, oh, yeah, that one. Oh, I remember that. It should be a curation, really, of the finest work. And I think if you're going, oh, God, another Erasure track, or oh, God, another Juliet Roberts track, and they're not up to the standard of previous, then then probably not. Fair enough. And I think, um, you know, fair play to Ashley for realising that their big hit-making days were behind them because this was the start of the period where they started getting smaller. The, the single after that was brilliant, but we'll cover that in the next desk. So I'll keep keep the, uh, my comments for later on that one. And I think you're going to say the same about this as you did for Erasure, really. We liked their last track, which was on the previous Now album. Wet, Wet, Wet and Somewhere Somehow got to number seven, one of their ballads. Not one that pulls up trees for me, but, you know, the the previous tracks were on here. It's a bit of a surprise it didn't make it somewhere. Yeah, and that's probably even more of a surprise. And I'm going to say that, 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 that not having Wet 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 on here is very surprising, particularly given how huge they were. Yeah, somewhere somehow does nothing for me personally. Yeah. Uh, so... They can still come on here as a surprise it's not here. Yeah, and and I think out of all of these, I think that would be my... Well, I'm surprised it's not there, even if I'm not a fan. Um, there, there's one track that sticks out for me as the one that absolutely should have been on there. Easy choice this for me, DeLacy and Hideaway. Concur. Hooray. And I wonder, are we going to concur on the best track on the album? Because I know what I think it is. Yes, I think we are, mate. Uh, so shall we not bother going through any of the others, or shall we? There, well, was anything else even vaguely in the running? Um, uh, no, not really. I think it was... Uh, I wrote down when I was listening to the tracks, this is one of the best songs of 1995. So it's going to be McCormick and Butler, and yes, I, there's nothing. I, I enjoyed listening to Pulp. I, I enjoyed... Uh, I still enjoy everything but The Girl in Simply Red. But out of all the ones that I've heard many times since, there's nothing that still captures the joy and thrill of hearing the intro to that McCalman and Butler song start because you know you're in for an absolute treat. So that, that wins it for me. 
yeah, by a country mile for me as well. Um, I would give honourable mentions, as you say, to Pulp, Everything But The Girl. If Macau Martin Butler were not on here, it might be a tricky choice between those two tracks. But yes, for me, by a distance, yes, is an awesome piece of music and should be on everyone's playlist every day. Yeah, go and listen to it if you've never heard it before, please. Um, and then maybe tell us what you think about it. How can the uh, listener get in touch, John? Remind us. Well, many, many ways. Uh, we have got now three different social media platforms, two of which we look at. Uh, Facebook and Twitter, where it's at the Oblong Desk. We are also on Snapchat, where we are Oblong Desk. Uh, to be honest, I'm still working out why uh, and how, but I thought it was important that we had a snapchat presence for the kids um you can join us on our website uh, where excitingly we now have a link to our merchandise page <laughs> because yes you can now buy oblong desk merchandise you can uh, buy t-shirts sweatshirts caps and indeed aprons if you are oh, in marvelous because yeah uh, and there's other things as well on there. Basically, it's one of these places where you can stick your logo onto quality product. We, have, we haven't knocked these up ourselves in a factory. We've got some professionals to do it. And the Oblong Desk logo is very well. There's, there's drinks where as well, I think, you can buy one of those flasks. Yes, oh, a, a, water, that... a water bottle-y thing that yes, you can take out running. And I know there'll be some fitness fanatics who want to put Oblong Desk on their iPod or whatever uh, or their phone and go out and do some exercise in these dark times so you can listen to the podcast and uh, you can also be running around with oblong desk merchandise on you as well i can't think of anyone really outside of me and you that might even attempt that it, it, but it's no. there if you want it <laughs> it, it doesn't it's get more exciting than that does it um and maybe we could branch into flags so you can wave a flag while you're at it there's loads more other stuff on the uh, website as well that isn't links to merchandise sites uh, that you can listen to every single desk that there has ever been obviously uh, there's loads of stuff about us and there is also your chance to try and get involved in the show if you'd like to by maybe doing a little review of some of the stuff that's coming up in the future and that's all at oblongdesk.podbean.com our website fantastic so do get in touch tell us what you think we'll be back soon on another desk or possibly an occasional table you never know and um, until then uh, take care and we'll speak to you soon yeah cheerio Oblong Desk was written, presented and produced in Birmingham and Woking by Noakes and John Tyndall with original music by John Get in touch, like, follow and share all of those things you can do at our website oblongdesk.podbean.com.